Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Wednesday, November 9th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Food. We all love it. We all need it. But in Southeast D.C., access to grocery stores and restaurants have been limited, forcing residents to drive or walk miles to get fresh and nutritious food. After years of little progress, the newly re-elected Bowser administration is hoping to change that by giving out grants to businesses opening up stores east of the Anacostia River. And so what we want to do is bring people closer or bring, I should say, grocery stores and food markets uh, closer to uh, people in Ward 7 and 8. See, that's Deputy Mayor John Falcecchio. We also hear from Melvin Hines, owner of D-City Smokehouse. He received a food access fund grant so he can open up a new location in Southeast. Besides being on the receiving end, I'm also part of the community. I live in Ward 8. I've experienced the other side, you know, not having uh, a lot of options or having to uh, get into my car. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. Megan Clorty is off today. It's Black Restaurant Week here in D.C. It runs until November 13th. And the now three-term D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser kicked off this week announcing seven new food access fund grants to small businesses in Ward 7 and 8. Earlier this week, Megan and I talked to the Bowser administration about this program. And joining us now is Deputy Mayor John Falcecchio, who oversees the program, and Melvin Hines, owner of D.C. City Smokehouse, who received one of these grants and makes a damn good brisket, I must say. Um, Deputy Mayor, we'll start with you. Um, Tell us about, I mean, just generally, what is the Food Access Fund for those unfamiliar? Um, Last we checked, the fund stands at $73 million, just to give people an idea of how much money we're talking about here. Absolutely. So uh, Mayor Bowser created the Food Access Fund actually during the pandemic. So when we had these conversations about how do we create a better normal, our better normal was making sure that our residents had better access to food options. And so uh, in Ward 7 and 8, we did some analysis and we found that uh, about 80,000 people were outside of one mile of a grocery store or a fresh food market. So think about it. For others, uh, I actually live in a neighborhood uh, where we have a grocery store. I literally live in a building with a grocery store. Others don't have that option. And so what we want to do is bring people closer or bring, I should say, grocery stores and food markets uh, closer to uh, people in Ward 7 and 8. Uh, we want to do it with all sorts of food access points, grocery stores, uh, markets, as well as restaurants. Um, and whether that's a fast casual or a sit down restaurant, we want people not only to have access to food, but also food options. The mayor said uh, for a long time that we have all the retail uh, that you can imagine across mm-hmm. D.C., uh, but we don't have it in all the places we need it. That's the problem the Food Access Fund attacks. That was what I was going to ask you, John, because, I mean, while this is a great program and just to push back a little bit here, I mean, this has been a problem for decades um, it, it wasn't like, oh, let's do an assessment and see if Ward 7 and 8 don't have grocery stores. Everybody already knew that. Do we know how long it's going to take until it is like a situation where it's less than a mile from you? You can walk to almost to everybody in, the, in those two wards? Absolutely. So we did want to do an analysis, and that's why we know that 80,000 residents are outside of a mile of a grocery store or a market. We know with the investments that we're making uh, in the food access fund that we'll actually be able to decrease that number 
if all of these stores and all these investments flush out, yeah. we'll actually be able to decrease that number from 80,000 to 10,000. So that they'll be able to uh, get to a food access point within one mile uh, of their home. Mm-hmm. So that's significant progress with a significant investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of things have to come to fruition. We've got to finalize a deal with Giant uh, at East Capital Gateway. Uh, we've got to work with our local businesses uh, like Melvin to make sure that they get to open. I know he's very close to that. Uh, but others who we've granted money who maybe haven't even gone in for permits yet. So there's some work for us to do the blocking and tackling of delivering. But really what we see is that we can make significant progress with this investment going from 80,000 people to only 10,000. Then what our team is looking at is for the next rounds of the food access fund, mm-hmm. how do we connect those 10,000 people to food access points as well? Mm. I want to get to Melvin really quickly, but I just want to ask one more question. Um, Safeway was just purchased, uh, the, the company that owns Safeway. I know Giant, these are talking about like juggernaut type um, uh, grocery chains. How difficult is it when you're dealing with the unions and these you know, big, big companies being purchased and you're just trying to get a grocery store in? I mean, does that does that gum up the process? Yeah, I think there's a obviously there's a lot of different uh, factors that go into account. As an example, right now, the work that we're doing with Giant is to understand uh, really kind of the work that was done previously to deliver another giant, uh, another giant in the industry, uh, Walmart. Uh, That didn't come to fruition, but Mm. the site started to be prepared for that. So what we have to do is actually one of the factors, one of the complications that you're raising. We have to check what's been done at the site. What can we do to actually advance a giant at the site. So there's a lot of complications. Sometimes the ground on what you want to build is the complication in and of itself. Mm. So there's a lot that goes into bringing uh, food access uh, to a neighborhood. Mm. And Melvin, you are on the receiving and implementation end of this food access fund. You know, tell us how that process has been and what it means to your business and your community. Uh, well, besides being on the receiving end, I'm also part of the community. I live in Ward 8. Uh, really at the top of Good Hope Road. So, uh, and I've been around here for about 12 years. Um, so I've, I've experienced the other side, you know, not having uh, a lot of options or having to uh, get into my car to go somewhere. Uh, just recently, just in the last few years, uh, we have the benefit of the delivery services. Those mm-hmm. did not exist. They didn't come east of the river. If they did, it was just very few options. So, you know, I, I experienced that. But during that same time, I uh, opened and operated uh, D-City Smokehouse. So, you know, I'm seeing that experience by operating in Ward 5, but living in Ward 8 and, and getting a different experience. So to me, the food access fund has been great. This has been, for me, we were already in the uh, process of starting uh, to build in Southeast and, and Ward 8. So the uh, access fund for, for us really served as sort of a, a, a finisher, a, a chance for me to finish the project, you know, understanding in this specific industry, the hospitality, specifically with restaurants, banks don't typically like to loan. Uh, they it's it, And if they do, the terms can be, uh, you know, rather difficult, yeah. uh, especially for a small business. So uh, the food access fund, it really came at a time when, you know, I just didn't know how I was going to finish the project. It was pretty much self-funded uh, up until that point. Uh, but, you know, of course, things don't always go as you plan. And, they never go you know, as you plan, <laughs> Especially within the construction <laughs> side. So, you know, it's so many different things that really can uh, happen um, as a small business where, you know, we have the experience of operating, but, you know, we're not 
you know, on a franchise level. We're not, you know, we don't have multiple locations. So uh, the, the fund gives us the ability to uh, really capitalize on, on the market. The fact is we have an established name. Uh, you know, those that, that even live in Ward 7 and 8, they, they visit us now. Mm. Uh, so when they hear that we are coming over to Ward 8, uh, we get a, a very excited uh, uh, response from that. So again, I feel like the fund just it, it, it's taking us across the finish line at the end of the day and much needed finance. It's probably really cool to be part of the change that's going on in Ward 7 and 8. I mean, some of those neighborhoods, you wouldn't even recognize them, right? I mean, from what they used to be uh, with all these new like development and infrastructure and apartment buildings and all that stuff. But tell me about like your your family, the people you said, your community that you influence every day. I mean, they're seeing you create this successful now two businesses um, what do you, are you using that money to pay back the loans? Or are you using it specifically for like restaurant equipment or like, tell us like how, you know, how is this money making a difference and how are people seeing it change your life? Well, it's, it's going directly into this project. Uh, all the, you know, we, we took a, an establishment that existed. There was a carryout previously. So it had okay. sort of the, the bones of a, uh, of a restaurant. Uh, but we still tried to, we had to bring it up to, you know, today's current status, 2022, uh, all the uh, uh, code and yeah. enforcement and whatnot. So, you know, we really went down to the foundation. So we, to, to make that infrastructure change, this is where the money went to. You know, we had to go with the new HVAC system, new plumbing, new electrical. Uh, you mentioned Oof. the equipment, all wow. new equipment. Uh, but the, the goal is to bring a product that we would normally get in wards, you know, one, two, three, four, and five, mm. bring that over to where they, they get that same experience. Yeah. They mm. get that same uh, uh, new infrastructure, cutting edge kitchen, you know, the newest, the, the latest equipment that can do things in an efficient way. Uh, so we can produce that consistent product the same way we do uh, at our current location, but bringing that over to uh, Southeast. Mm. Now, food is a very tangible thing. We obviously need to survive, but it's also an emotional thing. When we experience food with people we love and just experience good food in and of itself, it elicits, you know, community and emotion. Can you talk about that part of this, you know, new site you're opening up in Ward 8 and 7? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and to talk about the new, I, you know, oftentimes refer back to what, what we call the original, the original <laughs> D-City. Uh, original D-City, and, and I will, you know, credit the mayor and, and, and their planning during the uh, pandemic. Uh, because you, you speak about that comfort of community. During COVID, we never adjusted our hours and we never adjusted our menu. And, you know, it wasn't that direct feedback to say, you know, thank you for doing that. But I could tell with our, our customers, when they visited, they got a sense of comfort coming into D.C. They got, they get a sense of comfort now. It, it, uh, you know, my, my staff that works on site, they're able to identify customers, repeat customers, know their order before they even say a word. Yes, that's and, you know, awesome. That creates that community. So mm. taking with the goal is to say, bring that same energy, that same uh, approach to Southeast. Uh, in fact, I'm bringing uh, my lead front of house uh, staffer as well as my lead uh, smoker. Uh, he's, they're both coming over to the Southeast location so we can ensure that it's a consistent product. Uh, but speaking about Southeast directly, I mean, I've, I've been out there during the construction. I've been out there uh, handling a lot of, uh, you know, just just um, meeting the vendors and, mm-hmm. and, and our contractors. And, but I've engaged with the community so much. 
just standing out there. Or mm. some people just stick their head in the door to say, you know, we're wondering what's going on here. Okay. Um, and, and again, it helps that we already have an established name because I can say D-City and, you know, either they've had it or they've heard about it or they've driven past it and was curious. So the fact that we're bringing that a familiar name over east of the river, uh, it, it, it has a, it kind of gives us a leg up, if you will. Instead of just starting out brand new and having to establish ourselves, we have a history. We have a uh, folks really know who we are. I feel bad because I've been and I was pronouncing it wrong. I was saying DC <laughs> City. I know, but now I know I, it's D City, so I'm good. Well, I'm good the, now. I, I was happy the deputy mayor didn't get that right. Off the top, but, <laughs> but many people do the same, and it's not a problem. I, I do not correct, but it is D <laughs> City Smokehouse. We now know. Hey, so listen, <laughs> I'm wondering. I was looking up uh, Black Restaurant Week just to kind of get my my head around it, and, and there's a lot of stats on the website that says only nine percent of DC business owners are black. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, how important do you think this is? Because we all know about the big, big, big Metropolitan Restaurant Week, and that's a well-known thing. But drawing attention to this, to these small businesses that are black-owned, like you said, have that like kind of, you know, in, in the community, wherever they are, if they're building it or they've been there for decades. Um, what does that mean to you that they're doing this event? Uh, black Restaurant Week has been a, an outstanding resource. Uh, they started in 2018. Uh, when they started, we were already established, but uh, they went a long way in uh, promoting our business, uh, networking with others in the business, as well as uh, just being a, a valuable resource to kind of maneuver around things. So uh, they, they are a valuable service, I think, overall, uh, you know, for those new in the industry or wanting to start out. I think they're a valuable resource yeah. uh, to contact, to work with, uh, to help really just promote because, you know, we are a niche. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we make a, a, a rather large percentage of the city. Uh, but the fact is, you know, at 9%, that's uh, statistically. Yeah. <laughs> that's not Took really the words out of my mouth. Yeah. I mean, yes. that's a small, small amount. It's very, it yes. surprised me, yeah. honestly. But, uh, go ahead. But I will say, that, I'm sorry, but I will say that the, the this administration specifically, uh, but the, the uh, D.C. government overall has been very supportive. And I will say, you know, of course, I'm I'm in it uh, really, you know, neck deep at this point. But mm. I do feel like there's been uh, a lot more diversity, uh, a lot, uh, a lot more of uh, my uh, colleagues that had interest in starting and then jumping in. And the city has been supportive of that endeavor, specifically in seven and eight, but really across the, the whole city. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're, you know, there is a lot more networking going on. Mm. Um, yeah. and I really encourage, I mean, both the city as well as black restaurant week to, uh, to encourage more of that networking, uh, to build a, a bigger network to help not just those that are in the industry, but those are thinking about it because th that can help save time and money by just speaking to people and dealing with people that, that have gone down that path. Right. Already. Yeah. Right. Now, Melvin, I have to warn you, uh, the deputy mayor did say that you have a celebrity that's kind of associated with, you know, D-City Smokehouse. I don't know if you want to reveal that here, but I just had to ask. I couldn't help myself in asking. Are we talking about uh, uh, Hammy? Uh, Hammy the pig? Is, uh, is, Hammy that's, the pig? Uh, yes, that's uh, that's our, uh, what do we call it? That's our mascot. He's, he sits right out front of... Uh, <laughs> Of D City, uh, and it's a, a great picture opportunity. 
a lot of people like to, you know, capture a moment with hammies. So, so uh, and we're working on getting getting another one for the southeast location. <laughs> nice, glad to hear it. Well, we're glad for your success, John. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to say what you. Um, I know the city is involved in Black Restaurant Week. Yes. Um, and obviously it's not a new thing, but I think that a lot of people don't maybe don't know as much about it, possibly because of the pandemic. Is it something that they're like featuring a restaurant, a, you know, a day or kind of can you describe sort of how it works? Yeah. I mean, if you think about uh, restaurant week where uh, there's food specials uh, that you can take advantage of and yeah. maybe explore a new restaurant, that's what happens with Black Restaurant Week as well, with a focus on restaurants owned by uh, Black uh, owners. So what we want to do is make sure that we keep that ecosystem going so that we don't just uh, help uh, invest in companies, uh, invest in uh, small business owners, but we also promote it Mm -hmm. to make sure uh, we were at Fish Scale uh, last year, which is on Florida Avenue as well, and uh, actually uh, serves, it's a, a sister and a brother that uh, actually serve all sorts of fish options. Uh, it's a great part of the community. Uh, and we also know that one of the things we're trying to achieve with the Food Access Fund is take concepts uh, that work in one part of the city and make sure that we can try them in Ward 7 and 8. Uh, Mayor Bowser said if we're successful in the east, in the west part of the city, we could bring it east. Or if it's successful already in the east part of the city, right. uh, we could have another location. So there are examples of that too. Uh, Half Smoke, uh, which is at 7th and Florida Avenue, uh, part of uh, DMV Black Restaurant Week. They have uh, actually uh, committed to open two new restaurants uh, east of the river. Uh, MLK Deli, which is currently in Ward 8 on MLK Avenue, is going to open another shop in Deanwood. Uh, Mm. So what Melvin really kind of reminded me of is that this is about supporting D.C. businesses, but it's also about keeping dollars in community. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it right now, if Melvin and his neighbors, and I know he owns D-City Smokehouse, so uh, he knows where to go uh, for his uh, uh, brisket. Right. Uh, but if he was a brisket connoisseur and wanted to go get it, is there a place that he can get it in Ward 7 and 8? Well, he would have to take his dollars to Ward 5 right now to get it. What we want is more Ward 7 and 8 residents to be able to spend their money in Ward 7 and 8 and not have to go across the river or out to Prince George's County. Mm-hmm. Keeping those dollars means that they hire uh, neighbors as well, and putting their neighbors to work has an impact. So Melvin, you know, may make great brisket. He's going to have two locations now. He's going to have two mascots uh, out there. Uh, (laughs) But what he also does is he hires his neighbors. And that is uh, the impact uh, that we see beyond the food that gets served as well. Well, Melvin, Deputy Mayor Falcecchio, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. And after the break, we hear how you could win a silver ticket to get on the first Silver Line train to Dulles. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602. 
changing lives. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. And before we go, we have someone new in the WTOP DMV Download Studio, Robert, digital editor at Federal News Network. Robert, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So a few days ago, we talked to CEO and GM of Metro, Randy Clark. We talked about the Silver Line extension, and he kind of teased at the pomp and circumstance of the reopening or the opening of the Silver Line extension, November 15th. You're going to be there. Yes, I am. I just got, uh, (laughs) it's in the afternoon, so it's a little tricky, but I just was able to move my schedule around, and I'm very excited to uh, be there for the grand opening of part two. So anyone can go? Yes, anyone can go, uh, but not anyone can be on the first uh, train. They're giving away 50 silver tickets, very very Willy Wonka style, (laughs) uh, 50 tickets, which entitles you to bring one guest with you. So 100 members of the public will be on that first train. So... So you'll show up to a metro station and you'll maybe get a silver ticket. Well, no. The way to get a ticket is you have to apply. There's a there's an application process. A lottery. There's a lottery. I'm not sure how much of it is chance and how much of it is your story, but they want people to share their <laughs> favorite metro memories, and oh. they're going to pick 50 people from that. You can do it on Twitter, on Instagram, or they have an email if you don't want uh, to put it out there on social media. Have you entered? No, but I am entering. Uh, the deadline is November 10th at ah. 5 p.m. So uh, I'm working on my email now. Ah, uh, yes, your story. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So why are you so excited about the Silver Line extension? So the Silver Line extension is a little personal to me. Five years ago in college, I interned over the summer for the airports authority, the folks who own Dulles and uh, Reagan National Airport. Mm. They were the ones who actually built the Silver Line all the way from uh East Falls Church, yep. all the way out to Wheelie, and now Wheelie to Ashburn. So I was an outreach intern, and uh, I got to put together promotional materials for it. And uh, it was a long summer commute from Foggy Bottom out to Herndon, <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> um, so, but that was a great experience, and uh, I've been, always been an advocate for taking public transit. Right, and it hasn't happened. You know, like it sounds like you worked on this you know, years ago, and the Silver Line just hasn't happened, and now it's finally happening. And for what it's worth, five years ago when I was interning there, it was already, like, years behind schedule. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That was a question we fielded a lot. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So you're going to be on one of those trains? What do you think you're going to feel? I'm going to feel... Like I'm closing a chapter. It's been I've, it's, this is, I've been telling my coworkers here. It's been five. This ride has been five years in the making for me. I'm very excited to uh, finally see the fruits of the labor of everyone uh, on the Dulles Corridor uh, Rail Project team. Uh, mm. See how that. Well, we out. hope that you get that silver ticket. Yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> and that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. This show is brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show on any of those podcast platforms you listen to us on. You can also find us on social media where we're posting content mostly pretty much every day. You can find us a third way at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download Podcast is a product of WTOP News. 
If you're in the D.C. area, listen to 103.5 FM. In Virginia, it's 107.7 FM. And in Frederick, Maryland, it's 103.9 FM. You can also find us on the WTOP app and WTOP.com. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you tomorrow.